0: holds will be broken i don't know where you're at this morning you might be praying for something that in this moment we can pray that god would intervene god would make a way and what we do know he is at work whether we see it or not and so in this moment maybe there's something that you're like god i need you to move in this space i'm praying for such and such maybe just put out your hands that might be praying for someone to know the love of a saviour. It might be something that you've been struggling with, like, God, I need breakthrough. I need you to intervene in this moment. We're gonna pray together that the God who has conquered death is at work in this space and in your world. So Jesus, we pray. We call on your name, God, the name that saves, the name that moves, The name that makes a way the name that Lord heals, that Jesus we call upon your name for every person and every prayer that is held up to you in this moment, that Jesus we pray that you would make a way, that you would move in the circumstance, that God that they would see you and perceive you in your presence that is at work in that situation. Lord I pray that there would be just a rising of a praise Lord God, to be able to give testimony of a God who is in control, a God who holds all things together that Jesus it is your name the name that is above every other name the name that we call on Abba Father Jesus we love you we thank you Lord we pray all of this in your mighty name amen amen let me have a shout of praise to the great God yeah that is so good won't you take a seat we're going to come to a time about opening up the word and we've got here with us a great friend of True North Church and we're going to invite Sidara up and if you don't know Sid, she is, as I said, a friend of True North, um, loves um, and one of these voices around our city who comes and ministers the word of God with passion, with excitement, doesn't hold back and we are changed on behalf of that. So we're so grateful to have her with us, is at work and doing great work within community Passion in the communications part there. Loves bread. I love bread. Who doesn't love bread? Um, <laughs> we know that you preached um, uh, on bread one time. It was great. Um, also brought, like she's just lovely, um, brings the team brownies. So if you're part of the team, you can have some. But anyhow, we'll have to maybe pray over that for multiplication. But uh, we got a great large team here. But love to invite you up and bring the word. Can we have a warm welcome for Sid?
1: today are you awake this morning yes. oh okay about five people are awake this morning that's a bit of a shame should we try that again not are you awake this morning yes. oh there we go lots of people are awake hello it's so good to be back with you hey if you're in malaloo want to say a very special welcome to you love the people down there love that we get to be here as well and if you're joining us online if you're live streaming us a big warm welcome to you too now hey if we haven't met before my name is Sidara, and um, it is such an immense privilege to be back here speaking and opening up the Word of God while your pastors, Dean and Lisa, are away. Dev, my husband, and I, we love your pastors. They are great friends of ours, and we also love the people in this community, both here at Meriwa and at Malaloo. You guys always make us feel like family when we're here, so thank you so much for that. And, and also importantly... We love the Reuben sandwich that comes out of the 115 Collective. Seriously, it is the best in Perth. If you've not had the Reuben sandwich, this is not the takeaway of my message this morning, but it is a good aside. Have the Reuben sandwich. Chef Nick, I don't know if you're here, but buddy, I hope you're firing up those grills, because I'm coming for you at the end of the service. There better be a Reuben with my name on it. Michelle's nodding, so that makes me feel encouraged. But genuinely, it's such a privilege to speak here anytime I'm invited. So thank you so much for having us back. Now, as we kick off today, uh, as you know, I like a little bit of interaction right at the start. I don't like to feel like I'm up here by myself. So I've got some questions for you this morning. Now, who here can ride a bike? Malalu, this is for you as well. Raise your hand. If you can ride a bike, who here can ride? A fair few, wow, that is a lot more people than I thought. Okay, wonderful. Malalu, I can see you, even though you don't think I can see you, I can see you, and that's a fair few hands going up there as well. Okay, next question, who here can drive? A a vehicle of any kind, anyone here can drive? Wow, okay, that's also a lot of people, a lot of hands in Malalu as well. Wonderful, well, you know what? That has nothing to do with my message this morning, but uh, I only asked to get a bit of a lay of the land because I was just about to tell you that at 36 years of age, that's my age at the moment, um, I have actually never, ever learned to drive. I know, yeah. some shocked gasps. <laughs> never learned to ride a drive, and on top of that, I also can't ride a bike. I know, so I am what you call transportationally challenged. <laughs> that is me. And so, um, usually what happens is, I am a passenger, in the seat of a vehicle. So that can be a car, or a bus, or a train, or an Uber. And I generally, as a passenger, don't really pay attention to how I get to where I'm going. Does that make sense? I get in the transportation device, and some kind person, usually my husband, or some kind friends, or the Uber driver, or the the taxi driver, or the bus conductor, or the bus driver, they take me to where I am going. So I don't really pay attention to how I actually get there. Now, all this is great, apart from the fact that it has been brought to my attention that at this point in my life, I have not developed what most other people have developed, and that is a sense of direction. So you see, if you're lost and you need directions of any sort, I should be the very last person on your call list. It's a public service announcement this morning. Do not call Sadara. Don't do it. I don't know if you know that old Cindy Lauper song (laughs) The Gen Z's are like, Cindy, who? <laughs> Ask your parents when you go home. She sang, um, girls just want to have fun. That, that's dope. Well, she also had this other song, Time After Time. And it goes like, it goes like this. It says, um, if you're lost, you can look and you will find me. Sam, everybody, yes, yes. Well, no, no, that song, not true in this case. If you're lost, you can look, and you will not find me, time after any time. No times will you find me if you are lost, because I will also be equally as lost as you are. Do not call me. So having said all of that, uh, it won't come as a big surprise to you that Google Maps is my very best friend in the world. We have a very deep and meaningful and codependent relationship, and I would be very lost without that glorious little blue dot that helps me navigate from point A to point B, and also that rather robotic voice that shouts at me whenever I've taken a wrong turn on the pavement, of course. (laughs) Yeah, my life is wild, as you can tell. (laughs) But it is also true this morning that there have been times in my life where I have wished that there was a little blue dot that would appear that would help me to navigate the different seasons of life that come my way. You see, I have wished from time to time that there was an app that I could go to to help me to reroute from my current position, or maybe to bypass the detour of a specific season. And you see, while all that is true, I have also learned That in each of these seasons that are sometimes hard, sometimes painful, sometimes uncomfortable to navigate, there's also a lot of wisdom to be learned from each one. You see, I have learned that despite the fact that there are seasons of life that come that maybe we wish we didn't have to walk through, there's a lot of wisdom to be learned from each one. The title of my message this morning is Wisdom in the Wilderness. And today we're gonna explore a season of life that can be tricky, that can be painful, it can be uncomfortable to walk through, but it is a season that can also teach us so much. And so we're gonna learn some wisdom for our wilderness seasons this morning. Does that sound okay? Fantastic, and we're gonna do it by looking at one of my favorite people, one of my favorite heroes in the entire Bible, the prophet Elijah. Anyone else a fan of the prophet Elijah? Oh, great, wonderful. Well, now, some of you may not be familiar with Elijah, but you see, Elijah was one of the most significant figures in the Old Testament. He was a mighty prophet that lived in the northern kingdom of Israel, and uh, he, was, he, was, he was living there under the reign of a really wicked king and queen, uh, Qu- King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. Everyone say Jezebel. Jezebel. Yeah, you've got to say it exactly like that. And I want to set the scene for you just a little this morning. You see, in 1 Kings 19, we find that Elijah, this prophet, he's actually in trouble with King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. You see, he has been battling against them for a really long time, battling against their practice of pagan religions, namely the worship of a false god named Baal. And it had all come to a head in the chapter before. You see, there's this epic showdown on Mount Carmel between Elijah and the false prophets of Baal, and God had caused fire to fall down from heaven to prove once and for all that he is the true God. I know, it's like a Marvel movie. It's like very exciting, very epic. And this is such a great moment for Elijah. You see, he's been battling against Ahab and Jezebel for so long, and now it's a convincing victory in Elijah's favor. This moment is the pinnacle, it's the greatest miracle of his prophetic life, and Elijah is riding high until Queen Jezebel hears about this, and she puts a price on Elijah's life and vows to kill him within 24 hours. And this is a huge blow to Elijah. You see, he's been fighting for so long, fighting for the victory, and suddenly it comes, and yet now there's a price on his life. And it says in 1 Kings chapter 19 and verse 3, it says, Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba in Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, He sat down under it and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life, I am no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once, an angel touched him and said, get up and eat. He looked around and there by his head was some bread. Everybody knows we love bread. Bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So Elijah got up and ate and drank. You see, Elijah, this great prophet of God, he had Stood up to the threat from King Ahab and Queen Jezebel. He had proven with miraculous power that the Lord was the one true God. He had been a faithful leader in Israel and he had spent his life on behalf of God. But all it takes is 24 hours and a threat from Queen Jezebel, and Elijah is in a downward spiral. This prophet of God, this confident man of faith, he turns on his heel and he runs away into the wilderness. And here, we find him broken to the point of asking God to take his life. And all it took was 24 hours. A lot can change in a day, can't it? This moment in Elijah's life, it reminds me that some of our greatest highs can come alongside our greatest lows. You see, this is the reality of life because this is the duality of life. Sorrow and joy, life and death, victory and loss, and they can all exist together at one time, in one place. There's a great friend of mine, her name is Amanda Vivier, she's also an author, and she describes life as two train tracks along which tragedy and beauty can travel at the same time. And isn't that so often the case? Life is rarely linear. I don't know where you're at this morning. I don't know what life looks like for you, but perhaps there are some of us here who can relate to Elijah's experience. Perhaps there's a duality to your life this morning that you're struggling to hold on to. Perhaps there's been great celebration because there's been a birth in your family, but you've also been dealing with the loss of a loved one. Perhaps your finances that you've been praying over, well, they're finally thriving, but your health has taken a knock. Perhaps you find yourself here and, you know, you're you're overjoyed because your friends have had a miracle baby, but your own fertility journey has been hard and it's been long. Sorrow and joy, life and death, victory and loss, they can all exist together. And in some areas of our lives, while we can stand on the mountaintops, all at the same time, the pain, the grief, the loss, the despair in others, they can send us to the wilderness place just like it did for Elijah. And we find him in 1 Kings 19, in verse 4, he says, I have had enough, Lord. Just had enough. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Perhaps for you this morning, you know what it's like to struggle like Elijah did. Perhaps you know what it's like to sit in the dark night of your soul. Perhaps you know what it's like to have had enough to pray to God to end your life. And I want to say to you this morning, if that's you, and if you're joining us online, or if you're in Malalu, or if you're here, would you reach out to someone? Would you come and ask someone for help? Would you come and talk to someone here, some of the team, some of the pastors? Maybe reach out to a friend that you trust. Maybe reach out to a GP. I want to encourage you this morning, don't hide. Don't feel like you need to go it alone. Listen to me. Battling with your mental health is nothing to be ashamed of. It's nothing to be ashamed of. Struggling with your feelings, battling with your mind, there is absolutely no shame in it. It doesn't make you a bad christian it doesn't make you any less a person of faith there were some great heroes in the bible who struggled with periods of discouragement and depression there was moses who prayed to god to end his life there was david who did the same and here we find elijah echoing that same prayer you can be a great hero of faith and have very human struggles just like elijah did just like we all do Your vulnerability, it doesn't disqualify you from the plan of God in any way, shape, or form. You see, your vulnerability is not an obstacle, it's an opportunity. I'm going to say that again. Your vulnerability is not an obstacle, it's an opportunity for the grace of God and the care of people. You see, often we think that when we are vulnerable, when we let people see what is really going on inside, that it's a weakness, that people will think less of us in some way. But isn't it true that it is our vulnerability and our humanity that actually connects and binds us together? Your vulnerability, it's not an obstacle, it's an opportunity. And regardless of how long you've been in this place, your wilderness doesn't mean that God has left you. Your wilderness is where God comes to meet you just like he met Elijah. And often we find that it's when we are at our lowest that God's presence comes the closest. And that's what we find in 1 Kings chapter 19. Thank you. In verse 5 it says, All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. And Elijah, he looks around and suddenly there by his head, he finds bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. And it says he ate and drank, and then he lay down again. The angel of the Lord, he came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So Elijah gets up, he eats, and he drinks. There's a painting going to come up on the screen in just a moment. And this painting is actually by a man named Frederick Layton. And it's called Elijah in the Wilderness. And it's inspired by this very scripture that we have been reading. In the the painting, we can see Elijah, he's fallen in the wilderness. And this angel is there and he's got some bread and he's got some water for Elijah. Now, what's interesting in this portion of scripture is that it calls the angel in verse 7, the angel of the Lord. And you see, there are some Old Testament scholars who believe that whenever an angel is referred to as the angel of the Lord, that it's actually indicative of a Christophany. Or in other words, it's indicative of the tangible presence of the pre-incarnate Christ come in a manifestation way. And so there's a possibility that actually in that photo that we looked at, in that picture that we looked at, that that's no ordinary angel. There's a possibility that that's Jesus himself who's come to minister to Elijah in his brokenness. Jesus himself who's come to minister to Elijah in his need. Jesus himself who's come to minister to Elijah in the dark night of his soul. And that's incredible to think about. But what does this angel of the Lord do? He lets Elijah eat. He lets Elijah drink. And he lets Elijah sleep. You know, very often when we chat to people or we talk to people who are going through a wilderness season, when life has been hard and life has been hopeless and it's been barren and empty, and we want to come alongside people. Isn't it true that we often say, Hey, just checking in on you? Hey, have you have you been praying? Have you been reading your Bible? Have you have you been going to church? Have you been going to a small group? And listen. Absolutely, all of those things are extremely important. But when was the last time we asked them, hey, are you, are you eating right? Are you getting enough sleep? Are you moving your body? Are you, are you getting enough fresh air? You see, this reminds us that as human beings, we were designed to function with all of our being, body, soul, and spirit and our bodies need as much attention as our spirit and our soul. And we see in this passage of Scripture that God comes to minister to Elijah first in the natural and then in the spiritual. Because while it's true that we need food for our bodies, in the wilderness, we also need food for our soul. Do you know that there's a hunger in your heart, that there's a thirst in your soul, that no amount of good bread and pure water can satisfy. You see, there's a deep longing in all of us that no amount of physical bread and physical water can satisfy. You see, while God came to provide for Elijah with physical bread and physical water, now in our wilderness, God comes to provide for us with living bread and living water. What is this living bread? What is this living water? Well, the answer is found in John 6, 35, where Jesus says, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me shall never hunger. He who believes in me shall never thirst. It's Jesus. He is our living bread and our living You see, in the Old Testament, Jesus came to provide for Elijah, but now under the new covenant of God, Jesus himself is our provision. He is our living bread, and he is our living water. This is what sustains us in the wilderness. It's Jesus Christ, the person and the presence of Jesus. And it's John Piper who said that believing in Jesus, it is food and water and life to our soul. This is what sustains us in our wilderness. I don't have a three-point sermon for you this morning because the answer is very simple. It's Jesus. It's the person and the presence of Jesus. You see, that is why in every season of our life, we can declare in faith, we can borrow the words of King David in Psalm 23, and we can declare in the wilderness, in the valley, on the mountain, We can say, the Lord is my shepherd. There is nothing I shall lack. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me along the right paths for His namesake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup, it overflows. Surely goodness and mercy will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. It's Jesus. The Lord is your shepherd in every single season, and he himself is your provision in your wilderness. The answer is Jesus. It's always Jesus. And as I end this morning, I'm both sweating and spitting, so I know it's time to end. (laughs) Let me leave you with this last thought. You see, this story goes on, and in verse 8, we read that Elijah, he's strengthened by the food and the drink, and he travels 40 days and 40 nights to Mount Horeb. And there, Elijah, he goes into a cave, and God gives him another instruction. In verse 11, it says, the Lord says to Elijah, go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind, it tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. And when Elijah heard it, He pulled his cloak over his face, and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. So Elijah goes to Mount Horeb, which incidentally is also known as Mount Sinai. And if you remember Mount Sinai is where God made a covenant with the Israelites in the days of Moses. You see Mount Horeb or Mount Sinai, it was a mountain of encounter. It was for Moses, so many years before, and now we find Elijah, he's in the same mountain in a cave, and there God gives him what he really needs. You see, God knows that this discouraged and despairing Elijah, what he really needs in the middle of his wilderness is an encounter with the presence of God. And you see, in our wilderness place, when we're lonely and frustrated and we're, battling a season that's hard and tough what we really need is the very same thing as elijah what we need is a fresh encounter with the presence of god and so god tells elijah to go and stand on the mountaintop because the lord was about to pass by i mean think about it this is incredible and so elijah goes and he stands on the mountaintop and he starts looking for the presence of God and he starts looking first in the wind but God isn't in the wind. He's he's like where is God? Is he in the wind that shattered the mountains? No, he's not there. Then he starts looking for God in the earthquake that shattered the earth but God's not there either and he starts looking for God in the great and roaring fire but God is not there either. God is not in the loud and the mighty and God is not in the bold and the blustering. No, God was in The whisper. God was in the whisper. Other translations say that it was a still small voice. But the the translation that comes closest to the Hebrew meaning there is translated as the sound of deafening silence. Sound of deafening silence. When was the last time You encountered the presence of God, not in the sound or the spectacle, but in the silence. You see, God was in the whisper. And while there's so much to unpack in just that little moment, you see, I I found that as I read on, I I actually had a question about this whole episode. And then as I studied around it further, I actually realized that Pastor Craig Rochelle had had the same question. And so here we are, and the question is this. You see, Elijah, he's in the middle of his wilderness. He's exhausted. He's done with life. He's ready for God to end his life, and God was in the whisper? Have you ever thought about that? Why is God in the whisper? It's Elijah's great need. It's Elijah's darkest night of the soul. It's Elijah's greatest wilderness place and God was in the whisper. Why is God in the whisper? Is God trying to make it hard for Elijah to hear him? Is God trying to play hide and seek with Elijah? Have you found this? In the middle of your wilderness season, have you ever found it difficult to hear God, to hear his voice, to hear his word? Are you speaking, God? I can't hear you. Where are you, God? I'm looking for you. I'm looking for you in the wind. I'm looking for you in the earthquake. I'm looking for you in the fire, and I can't find you. I can't hear you. Why, in the middle of my wilderness place, when I need him the most, why does God whisper? Surely, He should be shouting and yelling from the rooftops. Hey, Sidara, it's going to be okay. I am with you. It's going to be okay. We're going to make it through. You're going to be fine. Surely God should be shouting at me in my wilderness place. Why when God should be shouting? Why does God whisper? Why does God whisper? And to answer that question, I'm going to ask my husband, Dev, to help me out with a little illustration. So, I'm going to ask Deb to go all the way back to the back of the auditorium. Yeah, I think that's good. Thank you. And so I can hear you all the way up here. Can you say the phrase, I am with you? I am with you. Well done. Good job. And I'll come halfway down the aisle. Yep, maybe around there. Brilliant. And now can you do the same thing? So I can hear you, would you say, I am with you? I am with you. Amazing. And now you can come all the way up on the stage. Anytime today, babe.
0: (laughs) There he is.
1: He says, I promise not to bully him. I did promise not to bully him. I'm sorry, I broke my (laughs) promise. And now we've got really close and... Don't worry, everybody in Malaloo, it's still PG-13. We're all good. We're married. It's all good. This is as close as we're going to get. And now can you say, so I can hear you, the phrase, I am with you. I am with you. And again. I am with you. You see, the further you are away from someone, the louder you have to shout. Do you see that the further you are away from someone, the louder you have to shout. Why aren't you shouting, God? Why aren't you screaming at me in my wilderness? Why, God, aren't you in the wind? Why aren't you in the fire? Why aren't you in the earthquake? Why, God, aren't you yelling at me when I need you the most? Why, in the dark night of my soul, when all within me is broken, why does God whisper? Don't you see? God whispers because he's close. God whispers because he's close. He's close to you in your pain. He's close to you in your discouragement. He's close to you in your disappointed dreams. He's close to you in those seemingly unanswered prayers. Close to you in your frustration. Close to you in your questions close to you in your doubt, close to you in your unbelief, close to you when the journey has been rough, close to you in your wilderness. God whispers because he's close. And isn't this the very essence of the entire canon of Scripture? Isn't this the story that the entire Bible portrays of a God who always desired to be close to us? In Genesis, it says that Adam and Eve heard the footfall of God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. That's how close he was. And when that relationship got marred by sin, God sent his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to live among us here on the earth and to die on a cross for our sins. And when Jesus ascended into heaven, he came to live inside of us through the power of the Holy Spirit. God desires to be close. He's always been close. And this morning, wherever you find yourself, whatever your wilderness looks like, God whispers to you because he's close. I am with you is the posture and the position of God from time immemorial. He always has been close and he always will be. And this morning, he comes close yet again. I wonder if you'd stand with me all across this place and in Malaloo as well. You see, in a moment, the wonderful team, they're going to lead us in a song. But I want to take a moment to just pray for us this morning. Wherever you are in your life, whatever season you're facing, whatever, whatever you're carrying that feels heavy and hard, maybe it's a, it's a prayer like Michelle prayed this morning that... You've been praying and praying and praying. Like Elijah, the battle has been long and you've been fighting and fighting and fighting and there doesn't seem to be a breakthrough yet. Or maybe it's in any of the areas that I mentioned before. Maybe you find yourself in a hard and hopeless and barren and empty season of life. Well, I have faith this morning that the God Almighty, the God who we sometimes don't find in the wind or the earthquake or the fire, that this morning he wants to come to you in a whisper, wants to come close and whisper into your heart, and he wants to reassure you again that you are not alone, that he sees you, that you are not forgotten, that those prayers have been heard, and that he sees every tear that falls from your eyes. He sees every broken heart, He sees every disappointed expectation. And He comes close to you with His presence this morning. You know, the Holy Spirit, He's the best minister in all the land. He knows exactly what you need. In every single situation, this God who is so universal, He's also very, very personal. And I believe that as we lift up our hearts this morning, as we open up, our hearts that the presence of God can encounter us in a fresh way again and so I want to pray for us and then the team can lead us and so if you've got faith this morning and even if you don't listen I believe that God's gonna come and encounter you because he's a good God and he's a faithful God and he loves you he loves you he loves you so father God this morning I pray that as we open up our hearts to you God I pray that you would come, Holy Spirit, by your power, and that you would speak your words of revelation to us again. God, maybe for some of us here, we don't even know if you're real, but God, would you come and encounter us in a way that helps us to engage with you, God? Father, in the deep night of our soul, for anyone struggling with mental health or thoughts that are just not of you, God, would you come and would you minister to us in this place? God, for every Breakthrough that needs to happen, Father. For every tough season, Lord God, would you come in your power and whisper your encouragement to us, Lord. I pray this morning for a fresh infilling of hope and of grace and of faith and trust, God, of strength. Would you come, Holy Spirit? Would you come and minister through your sweet voice? You know exactly what we need, Father God. Come encounter us. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, we pray in Jesus' name. Come on, church, let's worship him together. Thank you, team.